0: Welcome to what I believe is a pretty awesome episode of the Living Gratefully podcast. I'm still Dan the Vicar, studying to be a pastor in the Lutheran faith, and today I had a special guest on, my brother Matthew, who is also, uh, well, he is done with his training to be a pastor. He is ordained a pastor, just of a different faith background, still Christian, of course. And he came on to... Um, start with what I hope will be the first of many discussions between the two of us on how we do things in the ministry. And um, the first one is pretty awesome. It's about sermon collaboration, which is something that we both reach out to one another to help each other with. So I just figured we'd uh, first touch base on what's common to both of us and our our faith and ministry. And then we move on to uh, more of the uh, sermon writing aspects so let me know call in and let me know what you think about this episode i think it's pretty rad and i hope you enjoy the interview so this is i welcome to the show to living gratefully i welcome my brother matthew who is an ordained uh, pastor of? Uh, is there a certain church body that you're ordained in?
1: Yeah, we can get into that in future episodes if there ever are. But the ordaining body is always the local church in the free church. But this was in collaboration of a couple different churches, including Baptist churches. And of course, with the full support of a couple of my professors from Duke Divinity School.
0: Okay, so yeah, so that is a continuation of your um, introduction. So you went to Duke Divinity School for your Master of Divinity, Correct. and you currently work as a um, a hospice chaplain.
1: That is right. I work for a local organization in Columbia, South Carolina. So hello from Columbia, COLA. And it's awesome that we can do this all the way from St. Louis to Columbia.
0: Yeah. So I'm in St. Louis currently, as you, my listeners know, I am a vicar at a Lutheran church in St. Louis. I'm currently studying. I'm not done like Matt is. <laughs> uh, I'm currently studying to be ordained, in probably two years uh, well maybe a year and a half uh, can't think off the top of my head and we just thought that we'd try this out have Matt on the show and most likely dedicate more time to this as a thing we're gonna do of calling one another up and sharing um, our two unique perspectives in the same faith of Christianity on a wide variety of topics um in a, a very close way that only you know maybe brothers can um talk about certain things
1: yeah and it's important for listeners to know that we are brothers the only two uh siblings in our family um, and of course, we had just kind of thought that this is a unique call. Of course, we each have a unique call, but we'll get to that in future episodes, how our calls, I'm sure, are built off of our family story, our community of faith story from our upbringing and our family of origin. So we'll touch on all that.
0: Yeah. At some point. And and so long story short, we are both... Um, matt is ordained and i am planning to be ordained so we're both plan to be clergy in some respect I, I i suppose i am clergy as a vicar
1: mm-hmm, you As
0: are. if you've um if one if if the listener has ever seen the show um Grantchester or something like that it's the church of england calls also uses a vicar system but i am in the lutheran uh faith and we use the vicar system of training on site, kind of like how a doctor would do residency during medical school. That's sort of what vicarage is in the Lutheran faith. Yeah. So and... so, so right now I'm learning to uh, do pastoral care under the 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 watchful eye of my vicarage supervisor, who is a pastor, an ordained pastor, a Uh, And he's been doing so for quite a number of years. So he has experience. Uh, I am learning to do pastoral care, to write and deliver sermons, Bible studies, all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, you got it. And you're in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Yes. And I also did a similar thing to a vicarage. But in my Divinity School experience, we just called them a field placement where you're under the pastoral leadership of local church, nonprofit or other faith leaders. And uh, I completed my residency at UNC hospitals in Chapel Hill for chaplaincy. And so that's a
0: CPE, right?
1: Yep. You got it. Clinical pastoral
0: education. Awesome. And uh, so, and then also when I'm not on, so my current dedicated year of vicarage, I also, I do field education where I act sort of like I do now, but in a less um, demanding capacity uh, because I'm not paid (laughs) for the field education, but I am paid as a vicar. (laughs) So I'm expected to fully be focusing on pastoral ministry uh, on my vicarage.
1: Yeah, which is a good lead into what you asked me, to talk about with you definitely this episode definitely of how do you in fact focus or remain encouraged or build your theology
0: yeah and this is huge because there is the um this substance of it or the like the performative thing of it where like i need help in terms of like my job of reaching out to someone in the faith for advice on a sermon or advice in a pastoral ministry situation and then there's also the reaching out just for you know mutual um mutual um edification edification yeah definitely so so you know definitely over the course of our relationship <laughs> we have definitely reached out to one another for advice to to talk about to talk things through that we don't understand to get support to get help <laughs> yeah um, and this is an important part of the christian faith It's what's been happening ever since you know christianity um Uh, St. Augustine writes about a danger called incurvatus in se, or turned or curved inward on oneself. Mm -hmm. And that's how he describes sinning. Uh, So turning in on yourself instead of reaching out to others. Uh, And Paul writes about this in Romans 7. He says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I have to do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Um, Which then Luther comments in his commentary on Romans, he talks about St. Augustine's theology of turning in on oneself and he says our nature by the corruption of original sin is so deeply curved in on itself that it not only bends the best gifts of God towards itself and enjoys them or rather even uses God himself in order to attain these gifts but it also fails to realize that it's so viciously viciously. it so wickedly and ambitiously seeks all things even God for its own sake so, it is our compulsion to not reach out to people when we are facing, whether it be the everyday evil of like sadness or uh, loneliness, and sometimes even in extreme situations of evil, we still do, don't want to reach out. Yeah, especially
1: and... especially in grief, I guess, would be one of those mm-hmm. special times. And that's, of course, an area of care that I focus my ministry on, being with people in their grief, because grief has the tendency to isolate and to lead one to despair.
0: Would you say that one of the devils, the ways that the devil works is in harming or disconnecting relationships?
1: I would say that, of course, it has to be. I mean, I was going to point us back to the first and foremost, the start of any good theology being God is a God of relationships Mm and that we have a Trinitarian God where this great mystery, somehow God is one and fully united, but yet there are three in this one being. And so that mystery, of course, even if it is a mystery, it doesn't mean that we can't make that basic application of we're never born or in relationship with anybody apart from these innate connectors. And of course, one of the areas, the main areas of community that we focus our work on and have devoted our service to is the life of the church. Which is a very different type of community resource for people
0: so yeah, so before we go on to talk about that, though, what you said you said something very important, which was God as relationships or God showing himself in relationship mm-hmm. and the you know that's like a the very orthodox idea of the Trinity is the Trinity in the father ascending the son the son pointing to the father and the holy spirit of course proceeding from the father and the son Mm -hmm. and so they are the trinity they are god in their love relationship of being perfect son perfect father perfect spirit and um and that's how we're able to say god is love yeah.
1: So I think you kind of summed up the two building blocks which are of course touch points between both of our religious traditions and Christianity of a god that is trinity and a god who is love. And those are two foundations to any Christian venture or call. So that's yeah. definitely the the foundation between us. So
0: and um then, of course, Jesus in the Great Commission says, Go and baptize and teach in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's also where the Trinity comes into play.
1: Yeah. Nowhere with the word Trinity, but a clear revelation of that. But yeah. So we could probably do a whole sermon on the Trinity. We might someday soon. <laughs> but yeah. let's, what I remember that you invited me on originally. To kind of talk through what it it look like for uh collaboration to happen yeah so collaboration
0: yeah so collaboration for a sermon so let's start out with the beginning uh where when you're writing a sermon actually um even though we are we're going good right now do you mind if we pause for a break yeah sure for a Yes. All right. Thanks so much. I will call you back. Okay. Hey, hey. Howdy. We're back. We are. We never so, left. Yeah. <laughs> so let's jump right back into the process. So beginning with writing a sermon, um, what do you when you are, say, your the pastor says, Matt, I need you to preach March 15th. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's Sunday, sorry, just off the top of my head. Um, and you know, now it's February 13th. What, what are your first steps?
1: Yeah. And especially when you're rooted and you know, the context of where you're going to be preaching, mm-hmm. the first step is always going to be approaching the text, I'd say. Usually kind of you identify it, you clarify it, um, live with it in a lot of different capacities.
0: All right, so what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, so it usually looks like it depends on the church, but to use um, one example is if you're using like a formal tool, like to honor the liturgical calendar, it's going to be one of the differences in our traditions that some churches do and some churches don't have a set text Carrying of tax, which you could probably speak to. So,
0: so but, that's what you—that's what you might call the lectionary or the the reading of the week. So, yeah, primarily usually a psalm, yeah. an Old Testament reading, a epistle or letter, and a gospel reading.
1: Yeah. And so, usually, um, a church in the free church or non-denominational church will often be using that lectionary, but not explicitly referring to it as it's either just kind of co-opted, not in a coercive way, or they'll kind of a, a theme that they're going on a sermon series where they're reading through a Bible passage, either a book of the Bible or a section or highlighting throughout scripture a certain theme that's connecting it all together but yeah the first thing you want to know is what are you preaching on because the gospel can always be preached preached and you're usually going to be that's why you're the text is that you're preaching on to tie those two together.
0: Okay. And um, so say you have so you say you've chosen which part of the lectionary you want to preach on yep. or which text um, and oh and by the way uh, so there's like a broad spectrum of Styles of say like a, an else your typical LCMS church. Mm-hmm. So the the church that I did field education at, mm-hmm. they purely do sermon series. So they don't nest maybe once or twice a year between sermon series they'll do the lectionary and then of yeah. course of course like Easter, Christmas they'll do the lectionary, but mm-hmm. more often than not they have dis- they've met as church leadership and decided on um sermon series where yeah, it's yeah. like hey we're going to do 4 weeks on faith or 4 weeks on how to be a christian parent. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's similar and overlap with what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a good point, but all this is about unity in the church but also Honoring some of the context of the local congregation, where there might be the community needing or the you know Holy Spirit's guidance to preach or to focus on a certain aspect of the faith for sometimes for education purposes, sometimes to strengthen areas of a belief system or to just speak to what's happening in the world um, in which somebody lives. But yeah, yes. so The first thing is you know what the text is. Um, yeah,
0: so something you're touching on is something that strikes me. Um, it it reminds me of something from our like the faith tradition that I currently am training in. Uh, one of our one of our church fathers, his name was CFW Walther, and he has a quote that is usually on our preaching syllabuses or syllabi, that it, it, the quote is, know your people. Yeah. And so essentially, how old are the people in your congregation? How young are they? What mix is it? What do they do in their day-to-day life? What are they struggling with? What are they not struggling with that you don't have to preach on? What are What fills them with joy? And how is that different from what fills you with joy? So, like, know your people and your message will be able to resonate much better than if you're just reading, you know, a sermon that you've written for a giant church in the city doesn't always connect to a small town rural church, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, and of course, there's so many different identities that can be added yeah. to complicate that or to make it more particular. But, you know, you're right, it's the classic, I don't know where that thought originated, probably since the dawn of time, but your audience principle, know, yeah. who, you ta- know who you're talking to, <laughs> yep. which is a pretty basic literary and cultural uh, norm, I'd say.
0: Yes, sir. So do you try and, um, I don't want to lead a question, but do you try to identify something that your congregation is struggling with or something that you think they need to hear at the time and that's how you formulate what you'll be preaching on?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, one of the big things is, I, and this is kind of where my particularity plays a role in what my context is, even though I'm not in the Lutheran Church, I am, of course, shaped a lot by traditions that honor the lectionary, and I think it's important. Sometimes it's easier even just to be given a text and to go with it than spend 20 hours finding or locating um, something that you are trying to identify, with, quote unquote. But yeah, once you figure out what you're preaching on, I feel like the next natural phase in a sermon prep has got to be some kind of prayer, a personal prayer in some sort. Um, a lot of people talk about like a prayer of illumination. Times can happen before the preaching moment too, where somebody will specifically ask God to illuminate or to kind of thin the veil between God and the people through the mediator of the preacher. So kind of, you know, work in spite of me, work with me, work through me, that kind of prayer. Um, The intent is that, and St. Ignatius was big on this, just that the light of Christ will illuminate you as you read, as you prepare. Uh, it's kind of a baseline, a heartbeat, of the Christian faith when you approach scripture.
0: Yeah. So something big in the Lutheran faith is the idea of the incarnate word in Jesus, the spoken word in conversation, preaching, reading, and the written word of the Bible and the interplay between those three. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that the cornerstone or like what you're talking about, like the, the preparatory prayer, whether it be before you read or before you preach, sort of allowing the Holy spirit acting through the word to be the thing touching people's hearts, as opposed to your cleverly devised words, mm-hmm. Uh would, would you agree with that sentiment?
1: Yeah, I would. I would even paraphrase and putting it plainly: of you let the text read you and of you criticizing, because I think that's a big misconception in just kind of the common uh, Christian experience or non-Christian experience in kind of to defy what it is a pastor is doing or even a a believer when they approach her, is that. Sometimes, while we can look for what we want, um, it's pretty orthodox to desire earnestly that it's there you're not sure what it is for you that moment or that week, but that God will meet you in God's word somehow and let that influence your life instead of the opposite way around, which is a lot more natural
0: yeah and then that um goes into the whole idea of fitting fitting your own story of what you're living into the larger story of God's redemptive plan in the world and history yeah as opposed to trying to fit that into your own
1: mm mm-hmm. and it's always going to be an interplay of that but yeah that's what
0: we're doing All right. So do you have any like guiding systems or principles? Yeah. Well, I guess systems is more, more appropriate. Yeah. Like I'm looking for the, like the, what the text says. So like a textual exposition, and then I'm letting that go to say maybe the theological confession of what the text is saying and then making sure I turn that into an evangelical proclamation of the gospel to the hearers, how, how the people listening to the sermon could interpret it in light of their life experience. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, you have a system of what rigmarole you're going to try and put people through?
1: I mean, before I even get to that, I think the first practical tip, and then we can get to system, I always try to write out, the scripture in my own hand and then that helps me take it helps me listen to it and have have it in my own uh, mind kind of can carry it with me instead of having it on a larger bible or a technology device or something.
0: yeah yeah so like scripture plainly spoken
1: yeah where it's like well that's also part of how you learn cuz that's one of The ways I learn is through doing and seeing, applying it um, to my own life. That's kind of how I would even memorize or learn in school. So that's just something you have to figure out over time. But that's pretty universal, you know. That's one of the tried and true practices. So if you want it to stay with you, it helps if you write it. If you do it more than once, even better.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting because uh, what we're taught – So that's, that would be called the um, exegetical statement. So basically, say, say you read, you, um, you've read the story of the transfiguration. Summarize in your own words what happened in this text. And so, like I might say, when I read it this Sunday, what happened here is Jesus um, revealed the glory of God incarnate in his transfiguration to his disciples. Yeah. And then comma secretly. So like that might be an example of what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of like even a next step being but yeah, that's kind of a one way it's kinda of like the summary sentence, the thesis statement yeah. after writing, writing it out. Yeah. But yeah, for me it's kind of more to get that story in my mind and my heart and my soul before i'm starting to draw lines make you know connections and or draw a conclusion so
0: okay so um are there do you use uh scriptural commentaries in your sermon prep
1: yeah and it's a lot easier when you're based in a local church i think that's oh yeah
0: the hardships of doing
1: ministry on the fly is i rely a lot more on books or internet podcasts for information than a commentary because you have to have a friend in high place or access to a a nice library to have a weighty book that's (laughs) a little bit more established and yeah no that's my normal practice i somehow find a way or ask a local pastor to copies Nice. Within
0: copyright and, law. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Which also helps because then you can actually write on the commentary or highlight instead of having to just hold heavy books near one another. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Out. And
0: I'm a I'm a big fan of Logos Bible software. Mm-hmm. And you can have, you know, whatever free books might come. Like recently, uh Stanley Howard Wass's commentary on Matthew. Mm-hmm. uh was free so i I've, I've been using that mm. cuz right now it's matthew for the lectionary
1: and right now the church that i'm a member at not paid staff is going through the god mark so there's an example of a sermon series
0: okay and so i get yeah so you said that you you, you look into podcasts you know various websites books and are you just are, or are, so you're looking for a commentary on the scripture itself
1: yeah usually looking to the books that reference the theme i'm seeing or one or a couple of the topics addressed in that scripture be it faith or healing or miracle whatever you know the buzzword is that okay. stands out or my eyes drawn
0: to. Yeah, something that commentaries help me do is put it in the context of Mm -hmm. both what happened before and after the current story, but also how it links to other places in scripture. Like maybe there's an Old Testament link that I didn't know about.
1: That's for sure a benefit.
0: Yeah, because um, I remember giving a sermon on... The widow of Nain Mm -hmm. where Jesus raises her son from the dead and the commentary was like yeah people would have thought that this was like when Elijah raised the widow's son in the Old Testament and I did not you know embarrassed to say I did not remember that one (laughs) yeah
1: for real whoops yeah same here
0: And, and what that did was open up this whole other world for me to kind of tap into and bring up in, in the preaching. So I could say, you know, this is what people were thinking about when they saw Jesus doing this immediately. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel.
1: Yeah. No, especially Jewish audience. Cause the big, thing yeah. To always keep in the back of your mind is as much as you can link the old and the new Testament is helpful as much today as it was back then. And to, you know, not be anti-Semitic or to apologize or kind of separate the two texts as the old and the new covenant, but to see it as a bigger story that is unifying communities of diverse backgrounds. So and would you say me. that
0: it's? Would you say it unifies in the person of Christ?
1: Yeah, because Jesus was a Jewish guy from the Middle East, so I'd say for sure. Right on. (laughs) Um, Because that's probably the text Jesus is thinking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He would know the story and heal in a similar but different way.
0: Yeah, so that kind of also goes to the idea of um, when you're reading – like say a scripture story, you try and put yourself in the mindset of what the person hearing the story at the time would, the that they would have the mindset they would have been in.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
0: like, so like when Jesus says um, in order to inherit the kingdom, you have to become like a child. What did that mean to someone hearing that there?
1: Yeah. It means you become someone who's low or of no use Via yeah, their body
0: yeah. or productivity or yeah
1: dependent yeah that they're yeah and, yeah dependency
0: yeah and so that's very different from like in a modern era where we kind of put children up on a pedestal as like wise or mm-hmm. like the beauty of na- naivety yeah um uh so. I sort of want to bring up the, like, the concept of, um, like, law and gospel in preaching. But I don't, uh, I'm not sure if you'd be interested in talking about it.
1: I think for sure. But I might need to punt that to a
0: later episode. Be giving us. Yeah, it's true.
1: Just because I've got to make dinner here shortly when my, <laughs> my beloved
0: home from work. All right. Is she home now?
1: No, soon though.
0: Okay. Do you want to touch then we'll close out, uh, talk about literally what we wanted to set out and do, which is the collaboration part. So when do you say to yourself, I should probably call someone about this.
1: (laughs) I think honestly, when the text becomes real in my life is when I'm kind of calling the person it's mm. making me think of, or if it's touching me in some way that, yeah, I'm like, huh, this is actually finally sunk into my thick skull, you know, like, mm-hmm. huh, this is, or in kind of along the similar lines of like when it becomes a little bit more mysterious than straightforward, <laughs> you know? where it's like, huh, I could see many different ways I could go here, or this seems like a much larger concept than this very particular phrase that Christ said or a disciple uttered. So, yeah, but I think that's kind of where I initially thought. It was like when I'm there's something I'm excited about or there's something that really challenged me. And it uh, usually, of course, depends on who I reach out to. Do I reach out to a leader or do I reach out to the person that it made me mindful of to recall that or to shed light on it? Or then of course, for you and me, is it just because this is something that Dan would know something about or have an opinion about (laughs) that might pull in me externally processing that?
0: Yeah, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because um, when I think about it, I think of like, like when I was, when I sit down to do a sermon, so much becomes available to me yeah. in terms of the podcasts, the books and the things. websites The and it's all swirling around my head because there's a million different things you could say. Mm-hmm. And so I, if I call Matt then and I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about. Like, especially this last sermon that i was writing about transfiguration Mm -hmm. at a certain point i can distinctly remember matt saying i think that's what you're trying to say yeah and then things got became more narrow in my thinking and less chaotic yeah i think that was where the key kind of like the holy spirit working through the mutual uh commendation
1: yeah it's the aha moment
0: Mm mm-hmm Eureka. Yeah. Zoinks. Or epiphany. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) The appearing.
1: That's very true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's kind of uh, the main point. I'm sure we can look into that even for the the days ahead. I'm excited.
0: Definitely. Thanks so much, Matt, uh, for coming on and talking with me. This is, I think, very beneficial
1: yeah, and we'll get even better as we do it, as we alluded to. That's part of the craft. Right on. All right. I love and you. And buddy. thank thank you.
0: Thank you for always uh making my sermons that much better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Likewise.
0: Definitely. Alright. Adios. Adios. <laughs> love you too, Matthew.
1: Bye. You too, Dan.
0: Bye bye.